Something came from Baltimore. Welcome to Something Came from Baltimore, the show. My name is Tom Galker, and I am your host. Tonight, we have speech from the rest of development as our guest. Let's start off the show with one of their big hits, Tennessee. Lord, I've really been real stressed down and out.
Ladies and gentlemen, there are seven acknowledged wonders of the world. You are about to witness the eight. Space Eight Man's Final Frontier. Man's Final Frontier is the soul. Guided by someone more powerful than any human being. Someone felt, but never seen. You will be surprised on what resides in your insides. for listening to another episode of something came from baltimore i'm your host tom galker and it has been 26 years since arrested development released three years five months two days in the life of arrested development the album went four times platinum and spun out three big monster hits mr wendell everyday people and tennessee arrested development is currently on the road for the final leg of the 25th anniversary of the tour of Three years, five months, two days in the life of Arrested Development to an adoring fan base. Two years after the first album was released, the band would break up and then would reform in various reincarnations. There was one person who is the glue, and that is Speech. Tonight, we have the rap leader and guru of peace and love, Speech, with me as we chat about the album and the state of the world today. We spun this interview a little differently. I was positive that Speech was tired about talking about the hits, so we went deep track diving and discussed some of the cool songs on the album that were not released as singles. Speech is walking the streets of ATL on a beautiful spring day, chatting with me on the phone. After finishing the conversation, I am confident that Speech would be an excellent public official. I believe totally 
he would be working for the people at all times. ATL, get on it. Beg him to run for office and we would all benefit from it. Anyways, Arrested Development is more than three big hits. They're innovative, creative, and they are here to heal your soul. Welcome speech to Something Came From Baltimore. Thank you. Good to be here, man. I'm out and about in the city just walking around and talking to you. So it's good. I want to congratulate you for being in the business for 26 years and making some fantastic music. You have to be celebrated for that. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You know, I've been all the fans. I've seen you once, and I do have this mentioned that I, I know you're coming to the Philly market in April, and to me it was a, a, a spiritual experience. The whole audience was with you guys, and we were dancing from beginning to end. And it was one of those concerts that you walk away a couple weeks later, and it's still with you. So you made a big impact wow. to me. I really, really enjoy your live show. Thank you. Appreciate it. We, we, we call our live shows Life Celebration. So it seems like it accomplished the goal. Your song's from uh, the Arrested Development, three years, five months, two days in a life of Arrested Development was so socially conscious. I had an idea uh, to talk about it because I'm sure you've been talking about it for, for now 26 years. And you're kind of touring on that. I wanted to go through some of the, the songs and then talk about what they meant to you at the time that you were doing the song, and then what do you think about we're at right now? First, okay. The first song that I wanted to do is called Children Play With Earth. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you remember that song and, and how that came about, and what do you think about the state of the world now when it comes to children playing with dirt? Well, I definitely remember the song. You know, that song is special. I grew up in rural Tennessee, so I mean, like, no running water at times, uh, very huge fields and chicken you know, different vegetables and playing in the fields and all of these things. And so it was some of the best times of my life. And I recognized how much I learned about life through being out there, just being in the midst of nature and God's creations. And so I wanted to write a record about that. Initially, I had sampled um, Play in the Sunshine by Prince to put behind that song. And that sort of was like one of the real fundamental parts of the song. But Prince was charging so much for that sample that I had to yank it out of the song like at the last minute. We had actually already mixed the song down with the sample in it, but then the price was so big that we had to take it back out. And I sort of missed that sample, so every time I hear the song, I imagine the sample in it. But nonetheless, it's a great song to me. I think that it relates a lot today, because I have a niece, I mean, um, a little niece that literally was on punishment, so she had to go outside and play. And she didn't know what to do. Wow. She had never been outside. She was nine years old, and she didn't know what to do outside. So for the first time in her life, she was blown away. She was like, wow, it's so beautiful out here. Look at the sky. She had not seen simple things like the sky and what her backyard looked like. So that says a lot about our culture where people, especially young people, have gotten away from playing with the earth and understanding the nature that's around them and, and the gifts that are around them. This is why it's personal to me is, you know, the, the ability to get your hands dirty and get dirt underneath your nails. It's where we're supposed to be. It's, it's, a, it's a human connection that I think we're definitely missing. That's exactly right. It helps our mentality. It helps our emotion. It helps our confidence, our place in life. It puts us in a particular place in life. It helps our purpose. It really is fundamental to who we are as human beings.
I think it's cool that you experienced that. You wanted to address that to the world. And I feel that you're such a young man with a, such a lot of wisdom, but it's more truthful now. And it's more urgent that people respond, I think. I agree. And, you know, that's why I love, like, when, when people celebrate the album, it brings back up a lot of the, you know, things that we was talking about at that point and helps it to be back in the forefront. At the time that you were going through that, did you have to defend your thoughts about the songs? No, nah, not really. Um, at the time, like, less than defending it, we had to defend our right to release music in the first place. Like, so many labels denied us coming out because we didn't have the same sound as everybody else. And so our biggest defense was in just trying to get it through the filter of the music industry standards of what they want to put out and what they want people to hear. That was the biggest fight. You know, at the time that um, you were coming out, you know, it was important to be attached to a label as opposed to now where people just break away from labels. Your album, the first album really introduced you to the world. It would have been awesome if you had that uh, foundation to just go independent going forward because you guys are, you know, forward thinking and independent to begin with. Well, thank you. And I, and I appreciate that. You know, it's a double-edged sword because basically you, it's, it's been a blessing to have such a major label push for our album so that people like yourselves and others can know that it existed and it's out there. And at the same time, you know, I wish we had that independent, consistent support. You know what I mean? So it's like a double-edged sword. I, I'm on to the next song. So the next song is uh, Fishing for Religion, a really direct discussion against our churches and our corporate religions. What were you trying to say back then? And what do you, where are you at right now with your beliefs? So when, we wrote the, when I wrote the song, my whole goal was just to be honest. I was fishing for religion. I knew that there was a God. I knew that there was a being that created all of us, that, that had a purpose for all of us. But most of the religions that I had been exposed to were very passive. So, for instance, when it came to social justice, they were not willing to speak up on things. And when it came to um, the ills of society that you know God frowns upon, they were not willing to say anything about it. And so that song was really my frustration with churches that I had been exposed to and wanting to sort of challenge them to, um, to, to get into the fight. And don't get me wrong. I mean, many believers have been instrumental in social change, instrumental throughout the history of time. So I'm not dissing people that believe. And now that I'm a believer myself, I've come to understand that many churches are just filled with flawed human beings or all churches are filled with flawed human beings and religions are as well. So these human beings can be cowardice. And I don't no longer blame it on the actual religion. I blame it on the sin of, of cowardice and people that are just afraid to deal with things. And I just don't want to be that guy. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm striving to do what I can to, to, in my opinion, fulfill the role that God has for us as humans, which is to get on this earth and, and, and serve a person. That one line is to be able to cope in the world we live, the world cope, and the world change. O Obama administration was, uh, we're fighting for change. And 
And while that was um, something we all want, we just didn't really get it. And it wasn't because he wasn't willing to provide that or go in that direction that he was kind of stamped down and forced not to go in that direction. So we never really got what we, we really want. I personally am in 100% agreement with you. I feel like what Obama told us on his inauguration night is that we've got to do this together. I can't do it alone. He basically, in his own words, tried to say that he's not the messiah he's not going to be able to just pull off while everyone was in tears and emotionally moved by the first black president in this country's history he knew that people were expecting a lot from him and he could not deliver without the people staying active and that's what i believe started to started to wane is people's act activism with these issues that everyone was so adamant about seeing change in they needed to stay active I feel like he would have upheld his end of the bargain if we would have stayed more active. Yeah, if you uh, fast forward to the activism today with uh, Obama's presidency, can you imagine what kind of movement we would have had? Exactly. I think that, unfortunately, people tend to be woke up when things are darkest. And I wish that that wasn't the case. I wish people would more so see the need for being awoke or awake, I should say, despite things being dark or not, because there's still suffering going on. So unfortunately, with Donald Trump as our new president, people have seen such disregard for certain ethics and certain laws and legislation that they're starting to get very involved. And I'm happy about the activism, but I'm saddened that it takes darkness in order for people to, to see the need to light. Yeah, hopefully we learn something from this experience. I sure hope so. But Mama's always on stage is such a great song. What was your thought process 26 years ago, and how do you feel we're progressing now? Well, that song is super important. I have, um, my mom was dating a man who already had a daughter, and the daughter was 16, she had a baby, and obviously a young child. I mean, she was, she was a young 16, too. And that's what motivated me to write that song. And the truth of the matter is, the young boy who had gotten her pregnant left the scene early on, and she was left to raise this child by herself. And there's an African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. Every child has to have certain things for it to not even guarantee their success. And without that village, without that cultural support, and without that parental support and guidance, it is leaving children pretty much desperate and desolate. And it's a really sad situation. So the song is lifting up the mothers that are doing most of the work, but it's also challenging the fathers and the people in the community to help out. And it's challenging us as a, as a nation to encourage culture again, meaning the culture of our community, to make it all right to help people, to, as opposed to everyone to themselves. If people say it's none of your business, what I do, and so on and so forth. It's a very destructive way to raise these children, and we're seeing the fruits from that. Yeah, so I, I really think that you're saying is it, it's gotten worse. I mean, it's really gotten to a point where we're we're isolating ourselves. We're in large cities, but we're all in cocoons, walking around with Walkmans on. Walkmans, I'm showing my age. So headphones on, and uh, being being involved in the the universe that surrounds themselves instead of looking at the community as a whole. I'm not done with you yet. I got a couple more, then I'll let you go. 
I am in love with Wash the Way. It's really done well. I mean, the, the production value of Wash the Way is is just really, really cool and um, emotional. Do you remember that song? Do you remember making it and what your thought process was with that song? Definitely. Well, I was in love with this song by The Cure, and I forget the name of it now, but anyway, it had this beautiful little flute riff in it. So the beginning of that song was really just trying to make a cool song inspired by that Cure tune. And, you know, it started to quickly take shape into what it ended up being, and it was interesting because I wanted to talk about solutions. It was the last song on the album. We talk about a lot of issues in our music, and I wanted this song to have a positive spin about what's been going on. We could stop being washed away. We could stop being washed away. And to give people, I don't know, some type of soundtrack for activism and for spiritual activism and, and life activism. So that was the hope, and um, I think it's a really great song. My take on it was a couple things, is that you're, people were following false idols. So they're going in the wrong no path. Doubt. And also there's uh, historical references of uh, history that is being washed away when you when you don't go to the direction of your your ancestry like you're focused on moving forward and walking away from your your past and uh, exactly. the, the more you do that the more you get washed away that's exactly right you know every generation has been leaving us sacred jewels things that we need to be aware of so that we can build on top of what they were able to accomplish or change the things positively from what they were able to uh, they weren't able to change. So every time we allow those things to get washed away, it's like cures, you know, out in nature. It leaves us more vulnerable as human beings. And so, yeah, that song was trying to stop that trend, being a, an inspiration for people to stop that trend. The shore is a place where persons live. So in fabrics, it's a tangent of the real world, not wearable to most of the persons unsure. In fact, it's only wearable to the person of one. One person under oath. A oath to a serpent, an evil snake, in search of being as powerful as God. And all God's good, he'll try to take. He'll try to take. He'll try to take. So we're up to the the hit with uh, Mr. Wendell. And back in the day, I say 26 years ago, it was very rare to see someone holding up a sign walking through traffic. Now, in Baltimore, every single traffic sign in every single four intersections has a person begging for money now. Um, Things have changed, but I don't want to even cloud that because my question is, what was it for you when you wrote it? When I wrote that, we were at a studio in the middle of... um an area called Edgewood in Atlanta. And basically there was numerous homeless people that would come and they would come to the studio and um, basically we would talk and like start building with one another. And so we, I wrote that song dedicated to one of the guys. Thank you, Speech, for talking with me today on Something Came From Baltimore.
turns the ocean, serpent creates the high tides. To assure all good is floating. Good and righteousness is not intellectual, and a fabric that's good cannot be proven. And so that fabric is washed away. Far from the shore from which it was woven. The shore is a place where persons live. So in fabrics, it's a tangent of the real world, not wearable to most of the persons on shore. In fact, it's only wearable to the person of one. One person under oath. A oath to a serpent, an evil snake, in search of being as powerful as God, and all God's good, he'll try to take. Will you help us? Will you help us? 
I hope you enjoyed Something Came From Baltimore, the show, with this week's guest speech from Arrested Development. You can listen to Something Came From Baltimore, the podcast, anytime. Just subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and all other platforms.